Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies, where we talk about the Indian genre films you've never heard of, the ones you can't hear enough about, and the ones you never want to hear about again. My name is Nathaniel Muir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the host who's never met a porcupine he likes. <laughs> nope. No, I was actually thinking about that after we talked about porcupines. One time I was deer hunting and sweet outside of Sweetwater, Texas, which if you know anything about Sweetwater, Texas, it's a it's like middle of nowhere kind of place. Great. And I was in a deer stand and um, which isn't hunting, by the way. And it's not my favorite kind of hunting, just sitting there waiting for an opportunity to just shoot something. That wasn't that cool. But while I was sitting there, a porcupine came lumbering by. For the record, they're huge. I was remembering how big they are. They are a big critter, man. You do not want to fuck with one. I'm Blake. Like, What's up? Co- comparatively speaking, how big is a is a porcupine? I've uh, never seen one. So they 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 look bigger because they fluff themselves all out than they probably actually weigh. They probably weigh like probably like max twenty five pounds. Okay. Okay. Like a good. you know like a big fat house cat. Yeah. Imagine a yeah. big fat house cat covered in death. <laughs> knives yeah yeah that's that's a porcupine i i wouldn't fuck with a porcupine ah, like them. never ever ever do i think about them ever but then <laughs> when you see one especially in the context of a horror Ooh. movie you're like yeah, yeah that's pretty fucking scary <laughs> Dude, they are. and i think they can rocket those fucking things at you if you're not careful so they do i think they can flick them at you man yeah i see i see i have seen that in cartoons but i didn't know they did that in real life as a as the son of a veterinarian uh with ranch dogs coming in and stuff periodically uh they would you know it would be funny because it'd be like one dog would get like the brunt i think of like the quill toss and like their whole face would be just Uh, covered in quills poor dogs right yeah and then like i think they can only maybe do it to a certain section of their their body or something because like there was like another dog involved he always had markedly less quill uh gotcha yeah but yeah fuck man or i bet the porcupine they like don't want to let too many because that's after that they're just exposed yeah, they're, right yeah they're yeah fucked. no i don't think they could get rid of all of them man they're, they're yeah they're, they got a lot of them speaking of which you said son of a vet i heard and i i, I didn't want to check i know i could easily check this but no. i heard that a pig's penis <laughs> looks like its tail like it's curly oh is that true i think it is i I haven't personally experienced a lot of big dick in my life, unfortunately. <laughs> but you never I had a hot dog, <laughs> dude. Hot dog on a stick sounds really good, right? Uh, I think it might be, dude. I think uh, I think I've always heard that. No reason to dispel it now. So let's run with it. Um, I also I think uh, the cat's dick is supposed to look like a uh, like a like, like a amazing. dog's dick. Yeah, <laughs> lipstick. Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't love a dog dick? <laughs> let's talk since we're off track anyway. Um, let's talk about the game awards really quickly. Uh, really, <laughs> really quickly. Yeah, speaking of dog dick, uh, Timothy Chamoley. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of lipstick, Timothy Chamoley, uh, he um made a, an appearance. Um, and this is just really quick. Apparently, at some point in his in his life before his career really took off, he was like a modder on youtube and he would do like xbox he would uh mod xbox controllers and people would put like camouflage stickers on him or whatever oh my god i didn't know that yeah and i guess they kind of gave it away at the game awards they said that uh they like they introduced him by his name like controller modder 472 oh they did do that yeah i didn't know what that was about okay he gave the award for best 
I haven't talked about it on here, but game of the year to Baldur's Gate, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, deservedly so. You know, now every and actually for uh, uh quite a number of weeks now, every time I hear about Baldur's Gate, it's in comparison to something like for the longest time it was Baldur's Gate versus Starfield. And mm. then now it's why Spider-Man 2 should have won game of the year and Baldur's Gate shouldn't mm. have done it. You're, you're I'm a little bit older, but we're roughly in the same age. Yeah, like, a little bit. Do you yeah. remember? It's it's a ways back, but do you remember when people could like multiple things? <laughs> like, boy, weird. that's weird. a weird statement because boy, that seems like forever ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, we used to just play all the games. We used yeah. to just play all the games. Like you didn't have to pick one. Yeah. You know, and some I, of them you liked better than others, but I mean, you didn't like talk shit to other people. Oh, no you didn't give a shit man like i don't know it's funny how our games have come like games games have turned into music like where it's like you know it's like oh well I, if you don't like you know this band like you're a poser or if yeah, you do like right? this band you're a poser or whatever and that's fucking stupid man it's a stupid mentality games are great right now we've this is 2023 has been like one of the best game years in recent history and there's no reason to talk shit about any of it. Like, uh, I, I'm not a Zelda guy, but I know a lot of people had a lot of fun with those games. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the best games I've ever played. And I've been playing games since, you know, I could play games. So it's been a weird year. I hate how people, you know, gatekeep shit now. I fucking hate it, man. It's so fucking stupid. It's silly. Like, uh, I haven't played Spider-Man 2, but uh, I, I hear it's like the first one, but more. I love the first <laughs> one. So that's great. <laughs> like, I'm totally yeah, that. it's more of that. Yeah. And, cool. and it's nothing like I haven't played the second one, but I played the first one. It's nothing like Baldur's Gate. So I don't know why you would compare them. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starfield and Baldur's Gate, both RPGs, but like, that's it. And that's super thin. Don't see the point in comparing them like. No, there's nothing. And I haven't played Starfield, but I mean, oh. I they're nothing alike. I mean, they're, it you can immediately tell they're nothing alike. I mean, the Starfield is again, it's for I think a very particular type of gamer who is uh you know much more laid back and wants to kind of go about their time slowly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Baldur's Gate, you know, um, I was playing it earlier today and. Baldur's Gate can can happen a little quickly if you're not careful. You know, things, decisions and stuff can happen at a pace where you're it makes you anxious and nervous. And so I can see how the they're not the same. I play both of them, but I don't expect the same things out of either of those games. So, you know, it's interesting, man. It's been it it's been a, it was interesting to watch the game, the game awards and to see Matthew McConaughey and T- Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and like all these guys. And it's just it's crazy and uh yeah as you will talk more about well and it's funny too that i think a lot of times people just want to talk shit about the in thing to talk shit about like like bethesda i think right now is the thing to talk shit about microsoft in general well yeah exactly it's like it's like booing at the special olympics super (laughs) easy to do pointless not not creative or funny you know it's just like good job everyone's doing it you might as well do it (laughs) they're probably booing too (laughs) exactly so in 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 connection to our show though the, the game awards did have something that that very much uh, means something to us uh so hideo kojima and we were talking about this his trailers never make sense to me i'm not a metal gear person um i played i did play metal gear a solid uh five and it's fine it, it's fine metal gear 
for, I played for about an hour. And when I say that, I mean, I played for about five minutes and watched about 55 minutes mm -hmm, of cutscenes. Mm -hmm. um, Sons of Liberty was one of the first Xbox games. That I, and I, I finished that one. I love that one. But uh, couldn't get into Death Stranding and this OD, this trailer that came out. Um, I don't have any idea what's going on whatsoever. But how it ties to us is Jordan Peele is involved in some sort of interactive horror and man that trailer hooks you i mean i was i mean i couldn't take my eyes off of it yeah it's a really striking looking uh, trailer and anytime you have udo udo's face and eyes man yeah. that guy's just what a fucking looking guy that is <laughs> what a but, great uh, great yeah like, oh yeah i mean, just always loved him yeah. uh he, i mean he goes back to like wing commander He's been involved in games for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, how could you not be excited about we didn't ever get, what was it, uh, PI or what was the PT? PT we never did yeah. get PT. I think having Jordan Peele, and we've talked a lot about Jordan Peele on here, about how we don't, we might be in the minority to say, we don't just bow down to Jordan Peele. We, we have some very, I think, valid critiques of his, his films. and But... We do know that Jordan takes the genre very seriously, and yes. um, that that's a and when you put a guy like Hideo Kojima who takes, I mean he's too serious about his fucking job. He makes video games, dude. Like fucking <laughs> chill, chill out. Couple but, steps back here. Uh, yeah, that's easy, easy, easy. But uh, I think the the combination of the two because Jordan Peele does bring a, a like a levity to it, you know. So I I think there will be I think that's a cool combination. I hope um, Jordan Peele is able to kind of rein in some of the vision because I think Kojima's brilliant guy that gets way too lost in his own bullshit a lot of the time. It's like it's like a post accident Stephen King. It's like, dude, what are you writing about? Like, why have we been writing about this for like three hundred pages? And so, um, I I think that that's a good combo because I think he'll really hone in maybe some of that madness, and distill it into something that maybe something we haven't really seen before. So, well, I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think Kojima needs like an editor, a, a really good editor. Perfect way to describe it. Yeah, because he's done so much in the business, and like you said, he's. I mean, brilliant. Like his ideas are so out there. He, he thinks outside of the box. Like he, his, uh, what's the whole, his, his eyes are bigger than his appetite, I think is what's usually yeah. going on most of the time. But uh, Jordan Peele can rein him in. I think he can. And yeah, we, we don't kind of subscribe to the whole cult of personality of Jordan Peele. But like you said, he is really good at what he does. Um, I think that he, uh, he never takes himself too seriously, but at the same time, he keeps the gravity to the story. And mm -hmm. Kojima, like, doesn't seem to have a sense of humor about his game. About himself, he seems like actually no. a pretty funny guy. But, like, yeah, uh, he does. Yeah. Uh, uh, game-wise, he takes it very seriously. So I <laughs> I think it's a, it might be a dream combination, really. Like, I think they might be able to work off of each other. And based on the trailer, I, I just want to see what, what kind of nutso project that they're going to give to us. And I can't wait till 2029 or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, the one concern I have is that it's going to incorporate VR. Uh, so, like maybe it like, the like whole, it. right. And like, man, and if that's the case, that's a real turnoff for me. But um, if that could also be really cool. Maybe if it wasn't, Maybe you could, if you could play the game without incorporating the VR, but the VR gives you like maybe a, a different experience. Cool. That's my only concern. 
Yeah, like I I I'm I haven't bought into VR at all. So yeah, I would no. uh I would definitely pass on it. <laughs> VR. Yeah. I would have to get other people's opinions of it. Um one movie that we do know a, a concrete release date for the time being is Smile 2. It's coming out October 18th, 2024. That's all we know. They've been very hush-hush on the details until now. Uh Naomi Scott who played Princess Jasmine in the surprisingly good live-action remake of Aladdin. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, she is going to be the lead character. What does that mean? What is she going to do? We don't know yet, but we don't have to know, really. Like, um, She's a really good... I, from what I've seen of her, she's really good, and Smile was surprisingly good. <laughs> like, I, we we talked about it on the show. Love yeah. that movie, and I... It's just uh, October is going to be here before we know it, the way things are moving right now. And I'm I'm totally on board for Smile, too. Oh, yeah. Smile's one of those movies, like, when people have been asking me, like, oh, what's a horror movie? You do a podcast, right? What's a horror movie? What's one you wouldn't expect that I should? And I'm like, like, Smile, man. Did you see Smile? And more often than not, the answer is no. Because I think, like, we talked about, like, I think a lot of people just avoided it for whatever reason. I know it did okay. But I know a lot of horror fans even that just never saw it. So it's a cool movie. I really like the like the tone of it. I love we, you know, our our guy was in it and uh Bacon's daughter was really great too. So I, I think the casting for the new one sounds great. She was awesome uh in Aladdin. And uh yeah, I think this is cool. I think it's a cool property. I think it's eerie. I think they'll probably well, I don't know. I hope they keep the I hope they keep up with it because hey, this was a real nice surprise this one was really really cool i think what may have made people go away from it so the very first uh trailer that i saw for smile uh it was in theaters and it, it was like 15 20 seconds and it literally oh, yeah. was just fake people smiling like the different people smile, and that's all and at the end it just said smile that's it there was no craziness no no creepy music no nothing it was just the people smiling that's it and that was super effective really cool and it was like okay what the uh, people in the theater were whispering to each other kind kind of some like laughing uncomfortably like really cool subsequent subsequent trailers were a little more of the generic bloom house like mm-hmm. look at this lady's head fall down type of like mm-hmm. twist upside down and and i think some people thought it would be just another generic horror movie and uh i sure did i i did too like i i had a chance to see um the i think the u.s premiere of it or the world premiere of it and the theater right. was like loved it like they were like totally Good. into it because i mean it's so bonkers and out there and mm. it, it and we've, we've talked about it on the show go back and listen to the show what we our thoughts about it but yeah this deserves a sequel and i can't wait to see what they do with this cast another one you mentioned one of our favorites very briefly kyle garner but another person yeah, who we, we we haven't talked about him as much but uh christopher abbott is tremendous possessor for those who have the amazing black oh bear. yeah at Black Bear with Aubrey Plaza, piercing, piercing. Awesome. I mean, he is a great actor. Now, the Wolfman is going to be coming from Bloomhouse and uh, um, Universal, and uh, Lee Wanell, uh, I believe is how you pronounce his mm-hmm. name. Uh, he's going to be the writer and the director. Now, for those who may be like, oh, Bloomhouse, and oh, like they tried the Dark Universal and that didn't work. Keep in mind that Bloomhouse and Universal did The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss, and that was really, really good. So, yeah, same team, which Lee Winnell directed. So, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, it's it's a it's a good combination. 
Christopher Abbott has been uh, pegged to replace Ryan Gosling. Now, I know a lot of like Ryan Gosling is a you know A-lister, big star, and a lot of people be like, oh man, that's a bad decision. But to play the Wolfman, I think Christopher Abbott has the right personality, the right look, the right presence, like, demeanor. Like I think it's a, uh, I think this is uh, an upward move. Dude, it is such an upward move. Not that I dislike Ryan Gosling. No, I really love him at all. He's, he's cool. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's not the he ain't the Wolfman, dude. That ain't the right role for him. I just never I never pictured that the right way. This could this is awesome. Like literally, I think it's like perfect casting. Like he he's a he's a great actor. Uh and like the way you, I think you really nailed it. Like he's got that demeanor. Like f- that, like for this role, like if you watch the old original one, like that character is very, he's kind of a depressed guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, who does uh, depression better than Christopher Abbott? <laughs> Mixed like, with, with, with like an undercurrent of anger of or anger frustration and, or yeah, and sexuality and sexual. And and Ryan Gosling's a great actor, we know he'll he'll dig into his roles, but Christopher Abbott, we know, will go balls out oh yeah literally we <laughs> might need that this movie. <laughs> no, no again this one yeah Can't this one's also this. yeah hush hush move upward yep absolutely hush hush no release date on it but uh yeah I'm totally looking forward to this one also Wrap me up okay so we've talked enough about the distant future let's kind of rein it back a little bit yes into the genre of the future on December the 8th, or it's December the 15th, uh, this movie, we're probably not going to talk about this on the show. I don't know if we'll ever mention it on the show again. <laughs> it, it is out of our wheelhouse, but uh, The Zone of Interest is coming to VOD and digital. It's based on a book, but the book uses fictional characters. This is about Rudolf Hess and his family trying to live their best lives while they're, uh, well, there, is their house bordering Auschwitz? I believe so. Yeah, and, and there, and so I, I laugh. It's not a comedy. It's not meant to be funny. It's not a parody, but it's a really, really interesting premise to me because yeah. it's a Holocaust movie, but it's not necessarily about the Holocaust. The director, uh, Jonathan Glazer, has specifically said that there's no graphic violence in this whatsoever. Um, it's kind of hinted at. It's off screen. It's talked about, obviously, but it's very much a character-driven story and. Uh, to me, it's a, I have no interest in Rudolf Hess or the Nazis or anything like that, but just the idea of the story, like it just, it's a very interesting idea to me. Uh, an absurdist family story set with the backdrop of Auschwitz. I mean, I think Rudolf Hess is actually a fascinating character. Yeah, for sure. It's like this, this is, I mean, really weird. Um, I could see how it could be extremely off putting to a lot of people for obvious reasons, but watch the trailer. I think you're going to be surprised by the trailer. And um, yeah, I I, I wouldn't be disappointed if we ended up talking about this, but um, what an interesting premise. Uh, definitely worth mentioning. Um, I think for the weirdos that like that are like us, and if you listen to this podcast, you really like some eclectic shit. This is some eclectic shit right here. So I, I'll, I think I'll check it out. I, I think so too. It, it looks subdued. Like there's no... And before anyone's like, oh, obviously there's no comedy. Mel Brooks has made a lot of comedy out of World War II. So, uh, <laughs> but this one is like very straightforward, but subdued. It looks um, beautifully shot. Like really does. First, first time I saw a poster for it was a few months back and it was just of the blooming like orchid or the oh, great poster. I, I love it. it it's beautiful. Um, 
Hess, I, I, I believe I could be wrong, but I think he's the one who I don't know if he invented the gas chamber, but he might have invented one of the gases that they use. Like, oh, he's the old Zyklon B guy, huh? I, I think he might be. I think it's him. So, <laughs> so he's basically he murdered millions of people, is what that uh, amounts to. Uh, um, uh, I would never, ever, ever think to, and I don't think this is to humanize them or anti hero them, nothing like that. Like, I think it's just a story of people's lives, and it's just so out there that I want to see it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just, uh, just a skew of our, of our genre stuff, but like perfectly fitting. And uh, I find it fascinating. I'll ch- I'll be checking it out. Also coming out on the fifteenth is Angel Baby. This is the story of a couple that uh, they move out into the uh, I guess into the wilderness, uh, kind of off the yeah. grid type of thing. And wouldn't you know it, the house is haunted, or there's some sort of evil presence going on there. Sure uh, yeah, has your typical scares in it. It looks very creepy. Looks very mm-hmm. atmospheric. It has Rebecca De Morning. I mean, and, hey and- man. I am a big Rebecca De Mornay fan. I mean, that goes without saying in our age group. <laughs> <laughs> who is who? Who who isn't old enough to remember Risky Business is not <laughs> Rebecca De Mornay. Exactly. Yeah, still looking good. Uh, and, still and, looking amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but the movie it looks like super derivative, or right? but totally. it creepy. It looks very creepy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'll check this out. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you had me at Rebecca De Mornay, but the, uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a it's a haunted house. It, it looks like a cool haunted house movie. I mean, how cool uh, remains to be seen. But I, I typically like stuff like that. I think uh, I give it a lot of leeway. I think it's like a really good formula to go to, even if it's a little derivative and uh, you know what lies beneath or whatever. That, that's okay. I, I'm I'm typically these are great. For, for like a cold evening, get a fire going in the fireplace. Uh, maybe have some whiskey in a glass and let's watch some Rebecca De Mornay. <laughs> and coming out on December the 19th, this movie would, I think, early 2000s, late 90s, uh, whenever that J-horror thing was going on, man, yeah. this movie would have been perfect for it. Uh, the Ghost Station, oh. it's, it's from, it's from uh, Korea. I'm pretty sure this is coming to America. <laughs> it's a remake, <laughs> but it's about a... A reporter and her partner, they're investigating, uh, in the trailer they mentioned, uh, over the span of 30 years, there's been 22 deaths at a certain uh, train terminal or train stop, and they're just investigating it, and it looks creepy, and it has the, the shaking cam and the people appearing when uh, well, they have their cell phones up and they're seeing things, and it looks like very much like an old-school J-horror movie. Um, I think this is very much for fans of that particular genre. It doesn't look bad, but I've seen so many of those movies <laughs> that I need to see something that's a little bit, I hate to sound all like I know everything, but I need to see something that's a little bit more than what this bit, looks yeah. like it's offering. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like uh, the, the, the tra- I like the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the trailer was like, it's jam packed with stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is exactly what you just said. It is. I personally, I don't know. I feel like the Korean filmmakers have done a, I mean, they do really good, really well at these, uh, like this style of stuff. Like it, it does seem like they go back like a few decades every now and again. They're like, now nah, we're going to do like J-horror stuff now, or now we're doing zombie movies, but they're always pretty good. Like I, I couldn't, I haven't seen some that have, have made it overseas that, uh, that I haven't really liked quite a bit. So I, I think, I think I'll check it out. I, I'm not going to be, you know, 
I don't know. This is in the cinemas or no, no, this isn't. This video, is a video, VOD. Yeah, VOD. VOD. Yeah. I, if the price is right, I, I could see myself in this. I could see myself. You know, you bring up a really good point because uh, one of the more famous uh, zombie movies of the past 10, 15 years is Train to Busan. Train to Busan yeah. It's just a straight up zombie movie. But yeah. uh, I mean, they did an excellent excellent job with that if you want to go back a little further the host um it's a creature feature yeah yeah yeah, creature feature (laughs) but it's your creature feature that has a little bit of a different spin on it so i wouldn't be surprised this is a good trailer too it is yeah yeah it is a good trailer but i wouldn't be surprised if the trailer is what it is so it sucks you in but then the actual movie yeah it has that but it does have that different spin on it It'll be interesting to see. The only thing I would like, my only critique of of Korean cinema is like they typically are really long movies, yeah. and it, which I don't, I never quite get. Like there's literally always like thirty minutes of a movie. You're like, why? <laughs> okay, but you know, this seems like a one that if they kept it tight, they kept it. You know, a buck forty. Um, I think you could have a lot of fun with it. I'll I'll, I'll be checking this one out. I, we'll see. Like I said, we'll see on the price. <laughs> for decades now hollywood and cinema around the world has been uh going back to old franchises just sometimes straight up remakes television shows you figure that there's a line that there's some franchises that they will absolutely not revisit emmanuel's revenge proves that no there is no (laughs) franchise that is too infamous to be revisited uh this movie is uh well i guess it's mainly about like a rich playboy who uh has an encounter early on in the movie and then over the course of the movie we kind of learn it becomes something of a mystery he meets our title character and uh yeah, things take a you can't ignore your past it's it's just it's not as easy as saying my lawyer told me not to talk about it but, uh <laughs> Emmanuel's Revenge. So um, this isn't related to the French one, which I think is with two M's, not related to the Italian one, which I prefer. I, I think uh, Laura Gesmer, Gesmer, uh, mm-hmm. that's the, the, the one, the not, the not blonde one. That's the Emmanuel that I like. I, I, yeah, I, right, right. That's the more beautiful one. I, I'd say this one is more closely related to that. She's she's like, she's a writer, the fake mm-hmm. name and all that. So that's kind of related to that. But this is kind of its own thing. Unlike either of those Emmanuel's, two M's or no M's, uh, sex kind of, at least for a vast majority, the vast majority of the movie, sex is very much in the background here. The plot takes the center stage here. What a weird choice for Emmanuel movie. A risky one. I'd say <laughs> for anyone who, neither of us, of course, but anyone who's watching it based on the Emmanuel name and history oh. and expecting more of that, they might be disappointed. Yeah, they might be. You might be. Now, what a okay, what a weird movie. Well, let me ask you a question, man. Because no, I've I think... never seen anybody kiss more forcefully. <laughs> I mean, this, you're you're not far afield from what I was actually about to ask you, which is how fucking repulsive was our lead antagonist, uh, Leonardo? Leonardo, the top not bun man of Italy. This was basically an hour of us being forced to watch that man be cringe supreme with 
every woman he encountered. Yeah, he had a lot on his plate. <laughs> he was a piece of work. What a fucking motherfucker this guy. Dude. Yeah, like, um, so the uh. The, so he's intentionally made to look like I'm assuming definitely <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. really good really good job of making him look like a total sleaze bag and, and spoiler alert, we're going to talk a little bit about this but we won't ruin, there are some twists in this so there are some it. twists yeah we won't ruin it for anybody but considering where things end up they do a really good job of you as the audience like feeling you feel satisfied towards the world where <laughs> things lead like it couldn't happen to a nicer guy type of thing yeah yeah. Like so, yeah. Like I don't know if we've seen a now. We've seen better villains. We've seen you oh, know. Yeah. Uh, we've seen poor, more poorly mm-hmm. written. He he's, he's not made out to be the hero at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen a bigger like rich grade A Lothario scumbag. Like this was like it was almost parody how oh. shitty he was. Oh, it was, dude. You, it's like you distilled a fucking dirt bag, sleaze bag supreme. I mean, he looked the part, he acted the part. Uh, his car was the part. The way he talked to his friends was the part. Like, oh, dude, he was uh, kudos to, I mean, and like, it's funny. Like, I cannot find this fucking guy's name. I've been looking for it this entire time. Kudos to the actor. The, the dude nailed that role <laughs> for what it's worth. He embodied. Just a fucking, just the slimiest fucking dude I've ever seen on on film. Uh, Gianni Rosado. Ah, ah, there he is, Gianni. Ah, Gianni Rosado. Chef's kiss, my friend. Um, really, really, really strong performance, and he deserves extra credit, and really everybody does, because uh, so I'd say the first ten minutes of this movie, I think it's better to consider it an extended cold open. Because um, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. it's just moving fast, like super fast. And the editing is not very good. And it's no. super choppy. It's moving from place to place. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're globetrotting. You're from Milan to Budapest. Things are happening. Yeah. You have no time to get to know motivations. You don't know characters. You don't. All you get in the opening is something really awful has happened. That's like all that you know. You don't know how, why, who. You don't even really care. Um, no. But I will say that after they do this, like, really jarring time jump but like it comes out of nowhere oh it's yeah yeah they do bring it back together again and this is like oh well leonardo you could already tell is kind of a piece of crap but um once they advance the plot like you really get into it um and then you can really get a taste for the characters and i really want to and, and maybe this goes without saying but uh, a manuel herself really really well written character the thing about the Emmanuel movies, and yeah, they're known for their sex, and yeah, they're 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 crazy. They're especially for the seventies and eighties, but they would be nothing more than late night filler if it wasn't for Emmanuel. Like she was alluring and mysterious, mm-hmm. and yeah, she was super hot and all that great stuff. But there was just a natural attraction to her. You like mm-hmm. wanted to pay attention to her, alluring, perfectly, All- and and you get that here. Like from her, and yep. like you said, it takes a while before we're finally introduced to her. And like until her name is mentioned, it's even a little bit longer than that. A little longer, yep. But then once she's there, every single scene she's in, like the looks that she gives, the glances, like she's there's just something mysterious and just like she she's a scene stealer every single time she's in it. Oh, it's crazy because you know, 
you the you have like our, our timid uh like lead girl for the first part of the the movie and beautiful and uh obviously you know uh like you're kind of pulling for her because you you feel like she's she's setting boundaries with this fucking creep and like you mm-hmm. are like i personally was like oh yeah good good for you man like yeah don't let him don't let him just sweep you off your feet with money and stuff and and, and so it, it's such a juxtaposition to emmanuel's character who is you know incredibly headstrong and mm-hmm. and uh i, I really i for as just you know, boilerplate this this movie really kind of is. It is. They did a they did a really good job with those three character dynamics. You know, mm-hmm. you you have like the strong, but is he actually a strong guy? Uh, Sleaze, uh, the timid girl who's trying to make her way. You have Emmanuel who's very headstrong, and they're the way they kind of play those all three kind of against each other just for effect. I thought it was very they did a great job. It's very effective. It, it totally it totally worked to get you to see everybody's position here, and so when when things actually start to happen, like you said, it's a very fast clip, and this movie just moves right right the hell along, and good it needed to. It did. Um, we don't waste a lot of time with anything that adds to the confusing nature. For sure, of what's happening and who's yeah. exactly what the deal is. But when Emmanuel and Leonardo are on screen together, there it's like it's like two magnets pushing against each other, and that that was cool. I you know for the for whatever you want to say about the rest of this movie, the, that acting and those characters very very well done, shockingly well done. It's the, I like with her what they did is she's basically like a mirror image of him, except she's not right. shitty. Right. But like he's forceful and he gets what he wants. And she's the same way. Like you said, headstrong, forceful. There is a part where she literally tells him, I lead this game. It, yep. It's it's really, and like you said, two magnets pushing against each other. That's like the perfect analogy for the characters. Yeah. Um, they do a really cool thing in this too and i don't know if it's intentional or not but i think it's really uh, yeah it's intentional it is um so uh, the manuel movie she's sexually free she's you know she's sleeping with who she wants when she wants man woman doesn't matter mm-hmm. uh, in this movie it's almost the exact opposite it's people mm-hmm. are coming on to her multiple people and she's letting them know like no like you said the first the first lead girl she um sets boundaries like it's almost like the anti emmanuel movie in many ways mm-hmm yeah, it's it's t- definitely not what I expected, and I I was kind of maybe a little bit baffled by that at first. I was like, boy, mm. this is not like, you know, but this is kind of like, you know, Emmanuel for the twenty first century, man. This is like, not to say yeah. this wasn't sexy, like it, this definitely had some sexy moments. Yeah, um, plenty of them, plenty of sexy moments. You yeah. know, there and definitely some some very bad sexual stuff and and yeah, they, yeah. they they illustrate that in a way that i don't find i didn't find um too crass really um i you know it was shocking imagery but it wasn't like it wasn't gratuitous in a way where you felt like know. it was exploitative at all you know mm-hmm. this this movie very much walked that like erotic thriller line this is one of the more this is more of an erotic thriller than our erotic thriller week that we had, you know, this, yeah, it has, it has a, well, yeah, dance of death was pretty cool. Dance of death was amazing. Actually. Yeah. Bite yeah. my tongue, but this, yeah. this incorporated a lot of those elements and, and to, yeah. to pretty good effect. The, uh, so my question to you was going to be like, and it was asked during the, uh, we kill for love documentary is 
what happened to the to the erotic thriller. So my question to you is, I know, you kind of said it right now, is this an erotic thriller for this century? Because there's less sex, um, but there's still that shocking imagery, but it's done, I don't want to say in a tame way, because it's it's they don't go the full <laughs> bad pun. This movie teases you a lot, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could have done more, but um, I think it's a product of its time. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it touches on a lot of uh, subject matter that I think um, it, we've seen it handled with less tact and and it yeah. and it seemed way cheesier or way more pandering and and PC and, and this didn't feel that way really you know the it has all the some elements of like comeuppance and and mm-hmm. and ah you you got what you deserve motherfucker but it's also there's a little depth to it it's not just black and white you know there there the the end with i you know i i almost wish we could talk about the end but i don't want to because there is an aspect of the end that makes you think you know surprisingly enough this is probably what we are going to be in store for for well this is if this is what we this is a pretty good example of what they should shoot for you know uh sexy uh risque at times but not overly risque it could have been more risque we could have had more risque uh behaviors and and stuff and but it wasn't it never felt grimy and exploitative in a, in a way that i i couldn't you know recommend it for for various reasons to people you know yeah i i think they could have i think they could have put the foot down on their gas a little bit more yeah but um yeah. they um they do a good job of they pull back at the right moments also it does, like you said, without getting too far into it, um, it gets kind of like like Takashi Miike, like uh, it gets audition esque, like yes. Uh, um, I uh, I I think they do a really good job. Like a man, well, she's she's pretty fucked up. <laughs> she's there's some pretty her, her idea, yeah. very much so. Um, but uh, there's a scene involving a uh, breakfast when she when she feeds him breakfast. I I think. They could have shown a little bit more with that. They were just they just kind of show you a plate with food on it and leave it at yeah. that. They could have gone a little bit more to really show you how crazy she is. The Bjork homogenic painting, like the album cover, <laughs> kind of kind of an interesting thing, pretty cool thing to see if you're a Bjork fan. But uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I um I like the idea. Like I really like the idea of of her revenge. I loved how like I loved how uh yeah sadistic. She is how she had zero fucks. She had like she had zero fucks. She was gonna get her revenge, as the title says. But there's a humanity to her. She can only go so far, which I think adds another layer to that character. Yeah, it it really does. It, it makes her better than him. You know, mm-hmm. it makes her. It makes it does make her the the better person. And and there is, uh, you know, she uh, she leaves it up to a dice roll, <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, and uh that's cool you know the the fact that it could have gone any number of ways um there at the very end was was a really neat aspect you know that it was like the mind it was like the subtle small stuff about this movie that really kind of that made it more than the sum of its parts you know um uh, because like it's crazy to think that because I, I don't know about you man but i i felt like they wasted a lot of our time you know like at the beginning of the movie like they, they 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 take way too much well it's weird it's like they, they give you a bunch of character development that ultimately means a lot but it 
doesn't feel like it at the time. And you kind of only feel that way in retrospect, like it was worth your time. And I don't think that's good for a movie to do. I don't think I should sit at the end of it and go like, oh, okay, well, that's why I was bored. <laughs> Fuck I was that. Say, that exactly. <laughs> that dangerously close to being boring. Like, yeah. 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 A, a good portion of it in the middle. It, it skirts the line. Like the mystery is, is strong enough to work and keep you, but just barely. <laughs> right, right. Then, right, right. like the biggest mystery to me was the introduction of his twenty-year-old daughter out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. that, yeah. that, that was kind Hubba, of, Hubba. Yeah. but it, it did work like very <laughs> much. So it was super. It totally worked. But uh, it is a man in a, in a Manuel movie, so I guess yeah, we need to is. talk about the, about the sex in it because there is a lot of eroticism in it. Yep. Um, Maybe unfair, but uh, I don't think it's anywhere near as erotic as the original is. But I was a whole lot younger back then, and it was a different time. Uh, but this, uh, it, it, I think it does the job. If you're in it for a, if you're like, ooh, a Manuel erotica, I gotta watch this stuff, then I think you'll get what you're looking. It, it won't be how you remember it, but I think you'll get what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's like definitely part of the uh, the you're like, ooh, yeah, this is hot. But should I feel like it's hot? Yeah, <laughs> you know where yeah, the originals are like, yeah, this is hot. <laughs> yeah, it's just straight up. But... It's just straight up hot. Uh, uh, yeah, this makes you think about your uh, yeah confusion confusion boner or whatever. <laughs> so, trauma boner. <laughs> trauma boner. Uh, uh, Manuel's Revenge. It's on uh, VOD and digital right now. Uh, C or no C? Man, this is this is a weird. I feel like I like it more now that I had my conversation with you about it. This movie bored the shit out of me for a very large chunk of it, for sure. But it kind of saves itself towards the end. And and I I ultimately had a good time with it. Um, it's a caveat recommend. You know, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if this, if this, if our conversation about this sounded interesting to you, uh, check it out. Um, uh, if you, weren't interested at all i i am not gonna fault you for bypassing emmanuel's revenge i would say the first the first 10 minutes or so or it's just there's so much going on it's so quick that you really can't get invested like at yeah. all in it and anything afterwards that doesn't have emmanuel in it is it's pretty it's a slog it yeah. really is but uh the last uh, the last act last 20 minutes or so when the twist happens and it gets down and dirty it's it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy <laughs> i i um i i think that they could have i think they could have pushed the envelope a little bit more i i really do and um overall i think that it's worth checking out but to blake's point like i have a little bit of some reservations about it <laughs> we didn't forget the holiday horror you might have thought we forgot about it but no we were just horny we are now <laughs> going to talk about the sacrifice game set during Christmas in 1971. It's about uh, two girls who are uh, students at a private school. Uh, they don't get to go home for Christmas. They're 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 trapped at their they're not trapped. They're they're left behind at school. But unfortunately, the Christmas killers come about, and then things just kind of totally turn on their head. But um, this is by Jen Wexler, who directed a movie that I've never seen because of you oh she the ranger 
and uh, Ranger. the Ranger. It's a Netflix movie, and well, I think your reaction right now is kind of kind of only underscores. You told me that uh, you suggested to me to uh, that, not that it was bad, but you sort of like, yeah, you could pass on it. So I've never seen the Ranger, and, I, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I, I, I've never seen it because you you told me that you know if you come across it, yeah, but don't go out of your way to see it. So never saw it, so I can't compare this because everyone told me as who's seen both of them, I said that this shows her maturation that this is ah. uh, an improvement uh, a big improvement from that one so um setting for this one uh they captured the christmas spirit and you know for some reason i thought that it would just kind of be a background thing and they would totally let it slide but they do a good job of keeping the christmas spirit going in this they do they bring it they keep bringing it back you know like in a in a like clever little ways uh, but yeah it's definitely front and center and um, definitely, uh, all the way to the end, they, they definitely make sure it's, it's holiday spirit themed, man. And yeah, out, out of all the stuff we've seen recently, they do some of the, it's one of the better jobs of keeping the, the, the holiday vibe. The, uh, the characters in this, I think are the standout, like really, there's only a few characters, uh, like what, six characters and some of them don't have that many lines, but, uh, the Christmas killers, um, I think are excellent especially jude the, their leader oh yeah really great performance like I, a great character and great performance um i think the characters are kind of what made this movie yeah this yeah this is uh i did i really kind of didn't know what to make of this thing once it got as it got going um mm -hmm. uh, i was like really i was like oh is this gonna be like a uh what do you get, like devil's rejects i, I really yeah didn't, yeah I, I didn't quite understand um, but yeah, I, I really agree. I, I thought they were, um, they were kind of, they were frightening, you know, they were, mm -hmm. they had that, like, uh, that like Manson family, like uh, they're obviously following something really blindly. And I think they're, that's played for effect, obviously. Um, yeah. but th yeah, they, they were as far as like your group of villains, very effective, uh, at, at being, uh, intimidating and, and uh conniving and uh yeah they, uh, they were you were you really hoped that they were going to have something bad happen to you and you mentioned the manson family and like you said they're, they're clearly there's some there there's some uh they're, they're yeah. based a little bit on that um one of the things you always hear about charlie manson was the charisma he was a he had this great charisma and people were drawn to him jude the lead character here and the actor the performance really really charismatic guy like yeah. you can see why people would follow even though he really wasn't he was the leader but it was his, the uh the girl who it was her idea to do all of that so right um i i thought it was a, a really cool dynamic the tone for this is really because it's a horror movie it's a straight-up horror movie but uh they do a really good there's like really good comedy in this movie like it's it's <laughs> a genuinely funny movie but um they don't ever it doesn't take away from the seriousness seriousness of what's going on in this yeah it was uh it kind of reminded me of uh you know like how sam raimi in the early days always made sure that there was like you know some lighthearted stuff happening mm -hmm. and yeah this definitely they did a good job with that i i really agree the uh the the girl characters uh like the two little the, the two girls who are, are staying back and the the teacher too I really thought they had like kind of like a funny, funny dynamic there mm -hmm. first before shit hits the fan. They they were like lighthearted and you really kind of 
Well, you really get to, you like care about them. You're like, oh, well, they're like nice, you know, young women, and you know, you're like, oh, they're they're sweet, nice, fun girls. <laughs> I think Georgia or Georgina Eakin, Eakin, she plays Carla. I believe this is her first uh, feature ever. She is so so good in this. Oh, <laughs> I think it was amazing really for we've seen a lot of young actors, uh, young female actors especially. We've seen some really good ones. She might be the best. She was awesome. Yeah, she was really really good. The uh yeah, I, I we we've been really lucky. I man, I remember a couple of years ago we had some man this year too. But we the kid actors man can be just so bad. So bad. And I'm sure she's probably a little older than she looks, but um right. She's yeah, she's uh you know, you said about the last one, she's like a real uh shows uh scene stealer. Yeah, she's uh I don't know, and, and she doesn't have too many lines, especially in the beginning no. of the movie. Like she progressively she gets more, but and spoiler alert, we're gonna talk about this movie, but we won't ruin anything at all for anybody. Uh uh, I thought she was such a fun character, and then she has the whole like she has these one-liners in there, or she, but she's not meant to be funny. She's not being funny, but it's uh, there are funny moments even sprinkled into her character. Oh yeah, no, there's there's lots of yeah. They did a lot of good job, even with our real jerk off uh, uh, leader uh, Jude. Man, he for all his you know for his bad a light as they want to, you're supposed to think of him. He's even he's even got some great lines, you know that are. That are really, really fucking funny, man. So yeah, they they did a that was a that was a cool choice, uh, for the writers of this uh, um, movie. I she wrote it too, Jen Wexler. I'm like and Sean yeah. Redlitz. Yeah, they did that. That's really smart, you know. To to give, you know, it's interesting because it what it does is it it makes you second guess motivations and it makes you oh but is he really that bad like are they really is he really is that much right, right. which makes which makes for a better movie man when you when you're not totally or when you are when you have more to 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 chew on with these with these and these could have been totally all of these characters could have been just totally throwaway characters but they didn't they gave him a little bit more it was a smart choice yeah and they also do a really good job with the pace on this because it's mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's in a school, and, and a lot of it is in, in like two rooms, maybe two or three rooms, maybe. But uh, it's really well paced in that it gives you enough in the beginning to where you get to know the characters, and and it's all of the characters that you get to know. Even the the two like henchmen in the Christmas Killers, you get to know them a little bit. But things are progressively moving forward, and overarching everything is this mystery of like, okay, what's going on here? What are they trying to do? Um, are they just did they just go on a murder spree for no reason as one of the henchmen worries about like it's it's a it's the mystery yeah the characters are great that uh the mystery is really what gets you going the first half you're like okay what's going on what are they trying to do are they going to succeed and who's going to die like that kind of stuff and really tight it's a really well-written mystery yeah i agree it's one of those yeah it's it's definitely one of the it's like a movie going experience where you're you know that shit's gonna go down. There's like this moment when the the film kind of switches from like, oh, I'm the, the these Christmas killers are well, they're they're rough customers to like, well, what is gonna happen with these guys now? Because <laughs> like I they're not they're not feeling so tough to me anymore. And I I thought that that was a really cool paradigm shift for your characters, uh, in particular uh, our lead our our leads, but it. It was really this. 
they did a bunch of clever stuff um with just a really really traditional you know kind of story of you know possession maybe uh cult stuff i mean it's it, there's not nothing super imaginative here or is there you know that that's 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 what they they did some pretty fun shit here i thought so how effective was the twist for you did did did, did it uh, did it work or, or were you kind of like okay i know where this is going i mean i not that i didn't necessarily well there's like a kind of a couple twists i guess but there the, are the uh our main main twist not shocked at all saw it coming a mile away but i wasn't i wasn't upset by it because mm-hmm. what they what they do with it um and our some of our other characters i thought was fun because i didn't expect i didn't expect some of the stuff that comes later from that but they 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 don't I don't want to say they telegraph it, but they give you enough early on to where you're like, oh, well, there's obviously something really something happening with one of these characters that is more than meets the eye. But yeah. um so was I taken by surprise? No, not at all. But um I liked where it went anyway. Yeah, I thought it was I was uh I didn't expect it to play out the way that it did, but I did think there was something going on with that particular character. Right. Uh, but what happened, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And I, I did like the direction that I go went with yeah. it. I think they did a really good job because it, it's it's a pretty dramatic twist. It's a pretty drastic twist. Yeah. And uh, they do a good job of not like making anyone who was like just super villainous before. They don't make, they don't try to turn them into heroes nor do they try to turn the people who are who may or may not who may have been good before that they don't try to make them just like utterly evil they come really right. really close to it but they try to make them fully fleshed characters and uh i thought that was a really because that's super difficult especially in movies where they kind of like it's very black or white like either you're good or you're bad and if you're gonna go from good to bad like that's it there's no like oh they were a bad guy but they really have these good motivations so they're not right. that bad like this movie right. doesn't even there's no fucking with that at all like yeah you're bad you're bad you're bad and that's it and uh then they do some really cool twists with uh the gore like i think oh really good gore in this movie but gorehounds i don't think i don't think it's enough for gorehounds but i think it's good for the story it was telling oh yeah no yeah you're right not a not a gorehound film at all but um the anytime somebody got stabbed it sure as hell looked like they got stabbed like yeah. somebody got stabbed bad wound gushing blood this is a, a very stabby movie one of the more effective stabby movies uh, there's a lot of slashers where everybody's getting stabbed and you're like oh yeah they got stabbed this one every time somebody got stabbed i was like jesus christ like damn they they got fucking stabbed <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah very the, the very effective stabbings and uh yeah the good gore yeah i agree good gore i uh one of my favorite move moments is when uh carla she does <laughs> she does a dance in it kind of out of nowhere uh, I, I, it was really funny. Uh, it reminded me of um, the, the Night of the Demons, I believe it is. Oh, or, yeah, with uh, uh, not not sex. I'm out of creep. It's not sexy like a Night of the Demons. Like sure, Carla's sure. is like, sure. Carla sexy about Carla. Just but it, like that one kind of comes out of nowhere. Too. Well, it's also like uh, it's also uh, evocative of uh, like Beetlejuice of uh, Lady yes, yes. dance uh, at the end of that, which. I thought was yeah, I that was one of the things that um kind of solidified my opinion about this movie actually was that scene. 
It was cool. Kind of interpretive a little bit. I would agree. Yeah. A little yeah. Little, little Mac from Always Sunny in there. <laughs> like, super yeah, cool. So. Oh, um, for all the good things this movie does. And it does a lot of good things. Yeah. I, I, I will say that like the overarching theme of this movie. So there, there's violence in this and uh, it, it's Christmas. We talked about the tone, but the overarching story is one about friendship. That's like the big theme of this story. Um, and, you know, I think it's undercooked. Like, I don't think like the end makes sense to me it it does but there's parts in the middle where like they should have they could have built it a lot better and i think they missed out on it like the the ending should have like really solidified this as like an absolute must see like not just christmas like any time of the year you gotta check out the sacrifice game and um that part and it's so important to this movie it's so important that uh, i'm kind of surprised that it's so underdeveloped yeah dude i couldn't i couldn't agree more uh the yeah it's one of those things that uh they spent a little too much time running around running for their lives mm-hmm. than giving that some more meat which is kind of surprising considering all the time they spent on other stuff in this movie yeah. Um, you, you could, you really could have, you really could have, like you said, solidified that relationship to make it, uh, like, yeah, it just really just give the a foundation for, you know, maybe a series of these, you know, things where if that's what they were going for, mm, not, a, didn't, didn't get me to believe that there could be multiple sacrifice game movies, uh, not with that. You know, I, but I think that's maybe what they're hoping for. But yeah, maybe, yeah. Under, under undercooked, I think, is a really good way to put it. It just, it was kind of like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it a little strange. Like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, well for sure, you know. With with any movie, when there's like a group of villains, there's going to be dissensions amongst the villains. Like it always happens. There's always one who's a little too evil, a little too crazy. Yeah. You take the, it's always like that. But um, they spend more time on the dissension between them than they do on the. And this is a, a spoiler, but this this doesn't mean this doesn't tell you anything about the ending. But there's more on the dissension in the villains than the friendship between between the girls, yeah. which um, very surprising, especially considering how things end. Uh, uh, yeah. The sacrifice game it's on Shutter right now. See or no see? If you're a Shutter subscriber, yeah, you should definitely check it out. Um, eh, definitely. You should check it out. Uh, it was a. I had a fun watch. I, I thought it was a fun. I thought it was a fun movie. I typically kind of like these. This was. This did a lot of things I like. Maybe not all of them to great effect, but it, the it's the sum of its parts were were pretty good. Uh, I I thought the some really good acting, um, in there from uh, a lot of the actors uh, were really great, relatively memorable uh, as far as these go. Um, I. I I definitely will think about this movie when it comes towards the end of the year for uh, some of the uh, you know just good good time good time had while watching this. So I I would say yeah this is a recommend not a super strong recommend but if you got Shutter check it out. Underdeveloped ending aside, this is a really really fun watch. Like it, it has the Christmas spirit, it's bloody, has really strong characters, really good performances, engaging mystery and story, and and a really nice twist. So. There is absolutely no reason not to check this movie out. Every Saturday, you can find us here. We're a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network, where they have all sorts of horror-themed podcasts, 
including ourselves. And believe me, that is a super difficult thing to say. We also <laughs> have an open review policy. So if there's anything that you think that we, we should check out, a Manuel movies, um, I don't know, uh, any sort of erotic horror that pushes the limit, but maybe it's a it's a it's a modern take. We we'd like to check it out. I, I think it would oh, eye opener for us. Yeah, we we want to we want to experience more flavor. So please get a hold of us. Oh, and get a hold of all of those uh, morbidly beautiful podcasts too, and let them let them know we sent you. Uh, you can get a hold of us on the old Twitter and Instagram ventures in movies. You can get a hold of us individually as Nathaniel. Apparently, I call him Patrick. He's on Instagram at adventures in Nathan. I'm Blake. On Twitter at Four Ride Horror, Regine is out there at Danger Chavez. And next week, well, we talked about it once. Now we're actually going to talk about it on the show, I think. Mr. Oregon and Anna and the Apocalypse to continue our theme of the month. So come on in, tune it, check it out. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. Amazon Music has podcasts now. And yes, they have us. Or you can go to Morbidly Beautiful. Wherever you listen to us, make sure to give us a rating or just tell a friend to listen. And that's our cue. We will talk to you next week. Adios.